This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, I, nor, I would normally say as usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Uh, Naz won't be able to join us for the first half of the show. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get him on for the second half, Naz. Uh, hopefully we'll get you soon. We've got some Buffalo Bills uh, excitement we need to talk about. And uh, so joining me uh, to kick off the hour, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, good friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Morning, Wally. Oh, I'm stuck in my home here, enjoying my TV and uh, going through everything else uh, that everybody else is going through. Uh, yeah, we, we certainly are, and uh, we're getting there. Uh, we still got to continue to do our part, and uh, hopefully 2021 will be brighter, uh, and uh, we manage to turn this thing around, and the next year um, uh, gets us back to... Uh, doing some of the things that we did without fear in in the coming year. We certainly look forward to that. 2020, in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, has not been a great year. Uh, Certainly in the sporting world, uh, a lot of legends were lost this year. Uh, We talked about on the show a few weeks back, uh, Diego Maradona. Um, Little did I think we would be talking about another legend of, of the football world, Paolo Rossi. Um, his passing this week um, certainly I don't want to use the word shock but it made me pause and reflect uh, when I saw the word when I saw it on Twitter the other evening but uh, we will chat uh, after the first break with uh, two Canadian Soccer Hall of Famers both of who were privileged to know Paolo Rossi um, of course I'm talking about Carmen and Marcantonio and Roberto Iarushi. Uh certainly we look forward to Chatting with them about uh, about that uh, about the man the uh, the legend he's he's a legend in the soccer world Paolo Rossi tributes flowed in on social media from all over the world immediately uh, a day of mourning in Italy yesterday he was uh, laid to rest at the Duomo in Vicenza um, a lot of his former teammates were there carrying pallbearers. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll leave that one for now, and we'll pick it up uh, after the first break. Gives us an opportunity to reflect on the 1980 World Cup and the incredible celebration in Toronto and around the world on St. Clair. So I, I, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. It's very you know it's when I get into that topic, it's very difficult to shut me up. But uh, Lou, uh, shut me up, please, and we'll talk about it later. 1982, Lou, 1982, Wally. 1982. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but let's leave that one for now. We're going to have a good chat about that when we get the Kadamin and, and Bob on the line. Um, we've got Naz coming up later on, so I'm going to leave the Buffalo Bills discussion. They've got a big game Sunday night uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a big game for both teams. Uh, it's been a long time since the 
Steelers and the Bills have been in a meaningful game, and we'll certainly we'll chat about that later in the hour. Um, we usually give an opportunity to talk about some college football down in the States. Uh, you're, you're missing your sidekick today for this discussion. Uh, uh, Alabama is on, as they say, on a roll. Um, another impressive victory yesterday. They are now 10-0. and uh, Impressive part about the Tide, Lou, as I'm sure you are aware, uh, their average score has has been fifty to seventeen. Um, you know, I look at the college football playoff. It's Alabama, and then it's right now. It would take an upset of monumental proportions to talk to knock Alabama off. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Uh, anything can happen in the sporting world. Lou, Alabama. Uh, this is this the best? Uh, is this the best tight team you've seen in a long, long time? Well, I think it's probably the best offensive team that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, defense is still a question mark. Uh, they still have a, a it's a very, uh, uh, young defense, uh, because they lost most of their starters, uh, last year. Uh, and like you said, there, you know, there, there could be, I'm not even sure if it's called an upset because college football, you know, you, you have your top 10 teams, then you have your other teams that usually, you can blow out. So uh, I think Clemson and Ohio State and Notre Dame are, are three valid teams that, that'll give uh, Alabama a run for their money. Uh, but it was a great college football day yesterday. Stayed up and watched the uh, USC-UCLA <laughs> game. Uh, and then uh, more or less the, the foot issue with, uh, with Florida and LSU last night where a player... <laughs> decides to take a guy's shoe off and throw it 20 yards down and, and more or less revive the heartbeat of LSU. The guy ends up kicking a 57-yard field goal. Uh, Florida drives down in three plays, and the guy misses a 53-yard field goal. So, But you know what? It it comes down to, and, and, I'm, and I'm watching, I've watched college football, players that do these, I'd like to say stupid things, <laughs> are a reflection of their coaches. You look at the coaches of these two, like, you look at a coach like Nick Saban who doesn't tolerate any of that so-called crap, and then you look at Dan Mullen who thinks that he should be front and center uh, of every game that the University of Florida plays. It's just, uh, I'm curious on what actually goes through a dressing room after a game where they have just blown their national championship uh, case with a kid picking up his shoe and throwing it 20 yards. Well, <laughs> that's uh yeah, who knows who knows what discussions happened in that dressing room. I mean, I mean that's sports. I mean, that's discipline. It's you know, leadership comes from the top. Um yeah, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Uh, that that potential uh, brain cramp may have cost Florida an opportunity to uh, challenge for a national title. Um, it did because now they're, it doesn't matter what they do against Alabama. They're not no, getting they're the out. Final they're four. Two, yeah, two-time loser, uh, two two losses. You, you're not going to the college football playoff, and it appears the college uh, college football playoff. There's there, it's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame are very very likely to be in the college football playoff but they actually play in the ACC title game which is the rematch they play this Saturday in the ACC title game 
which is a rematch of that incredible game they had at South Bend uh, earlier in the year. There's a couple of scenarios that come out of what could happen this Saturday. Um, If Clemson loses, they are unlikely to be in the college football playoff, and it looks like Texas A&M moves up um, because Clemson will have been uh, lost two games, and two games isn't going to get you through to a college football playoff. If Notre Dame loses in a close match, I think it's clear Notre Dame will go through because then at that point they're equal to, for all intents and purposes, to Clemson. The only scenario I see Notre Dame not making it through is if the, if it's a complete and utter blowout, and then and then the uh, then the selection committee's got to look at. I guess at that point they have to look at uh, Texas A and M. Uh, is that the way you're breaking it down, Lou? Uh, yeah, I guess there's one other scenario there is if Florida, for whatever reason, comes back and upsets uh, Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that'll probably give uh, Cincinnati. Uh, a chance to move up if they're undefeated. And move and, up and knock and out move, who? And move in uh, Texas A&M. No, but if, 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 Florida, if Florida knocks off Alabama, you're saying Cincinnati's going to move up. To, and move yeah. up. And well, who, again, they have to win their first they... game too, right? Yeah, but whose place would they take? They would probably... Uh, you know, that, 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 that's for the people to... That, that are that's more or less that's the committee's uh, problem. Not uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's you know I mean the committee's got to factor in a lot of different things and you know they're really only supposed to factor in what they see on the field, what they see in the schedule. I mean strength of schedule is important. Uh, that's why there's no discussion whatsoever of of the Southern Cal Trojans. The Trojans are six and zero, oh, and they're a nationally you know if there isn't a, a more storied program in, in uh, you know they're in the top echelon. But nobody's talking about them. I think Cincinnati falls back because, like, who have they beat? Well, what, about, know, Ohio, what about Ohio State? They only played four games. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one, and that's been. I mean, but they're going. They, they get. Uh, I think they're getting a Big Ten title. They slapped together a Big Ten title for this week. I think they're playing yeah. Northwestern. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, they are. But that. But that's been the criticism of Ohio State. But then you're, you're dealing with reputation again, aren't you? And yes, they've looked are. good, and and and, yep. and Ohio State has looked good, and they've got some top caliber players, and they're a nationally recognized program. They're they're in the top echelon of the top programs, and you know you know don't think that the selection committee doesn't look at possible ratings. Uh, they like to get the best programs into the into the title game. Believe me, uh, and that's that's all. Ohio State wins, they're in. I. I uh, you, you can take that to the bank. I don't see any scenario whatsoever that they leave them out. Hey, could, could you see a could you see a uh, Clemson Notre Dame part three? <laughs> well, you know it's uh, it very well could happen because well, uh, it, it's possible mathematically, but for that to happen, Notre Dame would have to knock off Alabama in the in the first. And uh, yeah, like I said, Alabama no, not, not, not I, necessarily, Wally. Well, if if you know for Clemson to get in, they have to beat Notre Dame this week, yeah, and that and then that knocks Notre Dame down to number four, right? And then Alabama's number one. Um, I mean, I mean, this is fun. I mean, you talk about all these various scenarios, but um, it's likely we're headed to Alabama, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. If those if they're that those are the betting odds, those are the those are the those would be the favorites in that position. Lou, we got to go. 
We've got to talk about, uh, we've got uh, Carmen Marcantonio and Roberto Iarushi. We're going to talk about the legend, Paolo Rossi. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the family game night special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free Headbands board game, all for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in Toronto on 96.7 FM and also live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. It was uh, a moment in time this week. I was on my phone, I was checking my Twitter, and then I saw the news. Paolo Rossi, the Italian football legend, had passed away at the age of 64, and it gave me a moment to pause. Uh, It was just for a few seconds, brought me back to 1982, brought me back to St. Clair Avenue, brought me back to the game against Brazil, brought me back to the uh, incredible celebrations and what it what it meant to me and to, the, to a community, Italian-Canadians and Italians all around the world and football fans all around the world for that matter. And um, a fitting tribute to Paolo yesterday at the Duomo in Vicenza, uh, his... Um, his teammates, uh, Paul Bears, Tardelli, Antonioni, Cabrini, Colavati, Roberto Baggio was there, Paolo Maldini was there. Truly a legend, truly a national hero. We're pleased to welcome to the show Carmen and Marcantonio and Roberto Iriushi to share their thoughts on the immortal Paolo Rossi and the great Italian Cup victory in 1982. First, I'll start off with Carmen and Bob. I'll get to you shortly. 
Per minute, um, Paolo Rossi in the annals of Italian football, in the annals of football around the world. Um, your tribute, please. Yeah, good morning, uh, Walter, to you and uh, all the fans uh, that are listening. Um, yeah, Paolo, for us Canadians, Italian Canadians, as you said, was a special person because uh, he made uh, Italy proud with those uh, goals in 1982. We cannot forget uh, it united a whole nation of Italians in Italy, but also a whole uh, slew of immigrants that came to Canada. And uh, as you said, we were, uh, at that time I was in Montreal, was still playing. But uh, I know, you know, the world has seen a half a million people plus on St. Clair celebrating that the great victory. And uh, as an Italian community, you know, we were proud. We're still proud to, to you know, collect as, as we did. And, uh, you know, there were no property damage, no, no injuries. And uh, it was a show of uh, civility. Sportsmanship, and and we we gotta thank Paolo Rossi and the whole, the whole great team for making us proud. Uh, uh, Roberto, Bob, uh, we had a chance to chat very briefly the other day, and uh, you you uh, I mean it's one of those questions that you ask: Where were you uh, the day Italy won this? Where were you when Italy won the the World Cup in 1982 on July the 11th? And you had an interesting answer. Uh, tell us about how you watched that game and who you were with. Well, um, yes, good morning, Walter. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning, uh, everyone. Uh, yeah, I had a uh, very unique experience because I was playing at the time with the New York Cosmos. And uh, oddly enough, uh, it was the final, and uh, I was with my uh, best friend, Giorgio Quinalia, the center forward for for the New York Cosmos, and uh, we watched the game together with Franz Beckenbauer, who uh, probably uh, would have preferred being in, in in Italy playing the game, right? Because he, he was still good enough to play, but he was with us at the time, and uh, we watched the game together. And uh, it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of trash-talking, I suppose. I mean, very soft trash-talking. Franz wasn't much of a... <laughs> Of a, of a trash talker, but Giorgio, I think uh, he was looking to uh, he was looking for Italy to give him a little bit of a a little a little bit of a boost against uh, against France. Um, and but that's I, yeah, we saw the game and uh, uh, it was uh, it was phenomenal. It was uh, just a phenomenal game, and Paolo Rossi just uh, was was amazing as he had been for most of the World Cup. Uh, quite an achievement. Uh, certainly an achievement, and uh, you guys were both out of town at the time, uh, practicing your professional craft and making money playing soccer uh, in uh, in the professional leagues. Um, did you uh, come to understand uh, what was going on back in Toronto? Um, the incredible celebrations on on Saint Clair. Uh, your recollection of those and, and your thoughts about that. I'll get first over to you, Bob, and then. I'll turn it over to you, Kaidamina, and then Lou, I'll give you a shot to uh, give us your thoughts. Bob? Well, I mean, I learned very quickly uh, how, how people were, were emotionally uh, out of control uh, after, after the victory in Toronto uh, through my parents and through my friends. And, uh, you know, I had enough people getting back to me, letting me know what was going on. And then, 
uh, we didn't have uh, uh, we don't have we didn't have email at the time, so nobody could forward me the the, the photos. But um, verbally, they let me know that it was just uh, it was just crazy. It was crazy on St. Clair. It was also crazy in Woodbridge, and uh, um, you know, I wasn't surprised knowing you know what kind of a soccer city. Uh, Toronto is, and uh, you know, and and the number of Italians in the in the greater GTA area would have been, you know, just uh, overwhelmed by the uh, the victory. So um, that was that was my my recount. Ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, just like Bobby, I was in Montreal with the Montreal Manic at the time. In Montreal, also you know, celebrated uh, because it's got a large Italian community. But I don't think anything like anything close to. To what uh, Saint Clair and, uh, and 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 the locals uh, here in the Greater GTA did, and I think that was probably the greatest uh, Italian celebration ever anywhere. I think I think it was surpassed by the 2006 celebration. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in you know the World Cup winners in Germany, it came close to probably a million. That one, uh, a million people that showed up on Saint Clair, but now. You know, it, it's become a bit of a a routine now. Every World Cup, you know, the the people doesn't matter who wins of all nationalities. That's the great thing about Toronto, the GTA, and Canada that we have so many cultures and there's always a celebration. It happened with that great team of Italy in 1982. They were they were, I think, the the catalyst for us Canadians from Italian. Uh, the sand and origin uh, to go out and celebrate and show our tricolore, the, the, you know, proudly. And, uh, and but now it happens all the time with the Brazilians, with the Germans, but not to the extent that we did it in 1982. I don't think uh, it's the, it was the first one, really. Uh, Lou, uh, your recollections of watching the uh, the World Cup final? It was against West. It was West Germany at the time. It was a Sunday. Afternoon, July eleventh, nineteen eighty-two. It's uh, you know, there's two dates that uh, are indel- indelibly marked in my memory. One, of course, is September twenty-eighth, nineteen seventy-two, and I'm going to chat about that very briefly. The, the the parallels shortly, and of course, it was July eleventh, nineteen eighty-two. Your recollections of where you were, where you took on the game, and then you make it down to St. Clair afterwards. Well, Wally, I just want to say hello to my fellow uh, compatriots there, Mr. Marcantonio, and I've never met Mr. Robert Adarushi, but I think we have crossed paths. Uh, 1982 was a great year in the sense that um, I just happened to get married. I was on my uh, my honeymoon. I'd just been over, uh, got back, watched uh, the 3-2 game that uh, Paolo Rossi scored two, three goals. Went down to St. Clair and realized I couldn't park on St. Clair because uh, it was uh, probably the most spontaneous party that this city has ever gotten to know, and it's still going to this day. And you gotta, you have to thank the Italians for that because there was no chaos at all. Uh, there was people walking on and up and down the streets, probably from Old Western Road right through to Oakwood. The streetcars were stopped. Everybody was celebrating. There was no... The police had to come because they had to get the cars off the road. And I have never seen a party uh, bigger and more spontaneous 
than that party. I was at the uh, party in 2004 or 2006 when they actually won the last one uh, against France. But that one was more because everybody was waiting. There were like there was people walking up and down St. Clair, and from the pre from 1982, they started. They learned that they had better close off uh, that part of uh, the Italian section, and also down at uh, at College Street and at Woodbridge. But it was. Uh, I'm still getting goosebumps right now thinking about that day. <laughs> yeah, um, certainly. And, and even walking down, like I watched the the, the final against uh, against uh, West Germany at home. And then decided to take my wife at the time down to St. Clair and, uh, and jump into the uh, so-called uh, party section. Um, yeah. But it, it was a great moment uh, for for Italians in this city, for Italians all around the world, uh, oh, yeah. because they were uh, they didn't even think that they were going to get by Brazil in the, in the quarterfinals. Uh, um, you know, it was a great moment for soccer and football in general, for that matter. And uh, and you know, you make the good point that it, it, you know, it we got the ability to celebrate, and and then that's not it wasn't just for those celebrations that continued uh, in future years for other for other uh, people, whether you're from Brazil or from any other country. And largely, these these celebrations are peaceful, and they're great great parties for people from all different parts of the world. Um, Bob, and quite a minute, uh, let's talk about Paolo Rossi um, himself. A great footballer. Uh, Sean Bright, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, for a short period of time. Not, not, you know, he had a great career, uh, but retired early, I believe, at the age of 31. But you both of you got to know him personally, if I'm not mistaken. Paolo Rossi actually came to Toronto uh, a few times, and Bob, tell us about the story that he came to uh, assist you in opening up a uh, uh, a youth soccer clubhouse. Yeah, that was that was in um, 2015 September, and uh, we had opened up the Toronto Azuri Youth Sport Village a year before, a year and a half before, and um, and Paolo uh, came to visit Toronto, and he was told about the Toronto Azuri. And we were able to uh, to bring him up and, and have him see the Toronto Jury Village and the clubhouse. And he was very impressed. And um, we ended up having lunch. And we had a fantastic conversation with him. And uh, he was uh, just the most gracious individual that I had ever met. Carmine? Yeah, first I want to say hi to Lou. That, that was Lou Franceschetti, right? I didn't know he was on, yeah. uh, on air. So I want to say hi to him, too. Yeah, I remember with Bobby arranging that meeting at the, at the clubhouse. I was there present, and you know, for the first time, uh, I I met uh, up close uh, Paolo Rossi uh, because uh, there was another occasion. Bobby, I don't know if you remember, we played uh, that game with the old timers Canadian Nationals at the Sky Dome. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. late in the eighties, right? And then Paolo Rossi was part of the the international team. Uh, he was on the field, so that was probably the first time on the on the field but we didn't get to meet uh, personally at that time just on the field uh, so he was just an amazing class uh, guy uh, very classy very humble guy and that's why I think he's been loved uh, and celebrated by all Italians anywhere in the world because uh, besides uh, being being the catalyst of that World Cup uh, win uh, you know, scoring those six goals, and, and let's not forget, Paolo just 
was coming back from uh, two years of absence because of the because of the match fixing thing in Italy. So he wasn't at the beginning. He wasn't on, in top shape because he had just come back with playing with Juventus one or two games prior to the World Cup, and then uh, he got into shape as the World Cup went, and uh, and they scored those amazing uh, six goals uh, the last three games and uh, three against. Uh, Brazil, and uh, so that was uh, what made that win uh, special. Uh, and and I think Paulo, as I said, was the key guy. And and this has been admitted by the, the, his teammates, and that's why he was loved by his other teammates because he was so humble as a person. Uh, what I found uh, what I found amazing um, when I was uh, looking at the tributes, I, you know, Italian soccer has. Um, perhaps more so in the old days than 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 um, than in the modern version of it. But it used to be it used to be really it was really criticized for being a defensive style of soccer. Um, and but tributes for Paolo Rossi have you know come from every single significant uh, football nation in the world. Uh, amazingly, so from a lot of the English press who. Uh, who are glowing in their tributes of Rossi and and, uh, and 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 a lot of it comes comes from you know a great career, um, uh, turbulent career, perhaps a better way of putting it. But that game against Brazil uh, is 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 one of those games that um, you look at it and say, perhaps there's never been a single better performance in the World Cup. Than that particular game, they were up against the Brazil team that was considered one of the great teams of all time. Up until that moment, they had Zico, they had Falcao, they had Socrates. They were, you know, they were just an incredible soccer team. And, and Italy went toe to toe with them the entire game. And Paolo Rossi scored three goals, uh, and they beat Brazil three to two. And then they, from that point on, they won the World Cup. And in and, and, and that game. There, there's so many parallels between that and what Paul Henderson did in 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 '72, uh, where they took on the Russians, and Paul Henderson was the key figure at the end. And I know we've got Naz on the line. Uh, Naz, uh, your thoughts, uh, perhaps uh, the parallels uh, in some ways between Rossi and Paul Henderson. Yeah, definitely. So, hi guys, how are you? Sorry, I'm late. Hi, good Naz. Morning, Naz. Yeah, the similarities are incredible. Henderson and uh, Game 8, Paolo Rossi, I think. And the, both players weren't superstars, but were, were very good players. And I see the I see it right away, Walt. Yeah, but Rossi, yeah, I, I, Rossi perhaps at a, you know, at a higher level in, in the international football community than uh, Paul Henderson was in hockey. Mind you, Paul Henderson's in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. So around the world, they consider him a great player. Perhaps uh, we consider him a great The fans in Canada consider him a great player, but he's not in our Hockey Hall of Fame. But I don't want to make that debate. I want to talk to uh, Kahneman and the rest of you guys about this singular thing about Paolo Rossi is he managed uh, for some reason he managed to cross the boundary uh, that athletic heroes very rarely cross Um, he's an athletic hero we have lots of athletic heroes but he's an athletic hero that became a national hero he crossed 
the athletic boundary, and he became an, a, a hero for all the people, not just the sporting fans. And that's not very common. There's not very many instances of that that I can. Uh, I mean, the only one I can, the, the one I think of is Rocket Richard and Jean Bellabo in Quebec because they're so endearing to the to the Quebecois. Perhaps Sevi Ballesteros in, in Spain, Maradona in Argentina, Pele surely when, uh, and we wish him all the best of health. But when when he passes, Brazil will have mourning. But Paolo Rossi managed to cross that across that boundary to become a national hero from an athletic sport. Um, Bob, uh, I'll turn it over to you first, and Carmina. Um, your your uh, your thoughts on that comment? Well, I th- I think everybody's a product of their environment, and uh, Paolo Rossi, as great a player as he was was very fortunate to, to have played on a team that had a, a lot of other great catalysts. Um, I'm thinking of Bruno Conte. I, we would not have won the World Cup without Bruno Conte. The leadership of Zoff, the leadership of uh, of uh, Shirea, uh, Marco Tardelli, uh, Antonioni, as was, as was mentioned, uh, uh, Alto Belli. So the, the Italy had a fantastic team, and and they weren't the typical Italian team that had to defend to win. This was a team that could go forward, and and I think that the the world knew that. And then the gentleman who made everything, you know, perfect was Paolo Rossi because not only was he a great player, he was one of the best goal scorers Italy's ever produced. He's always in the right place at the right time. He's quick. He's uh, he's he gets to the spot before the the other player. He anticipates where he should be, and you know when you put somebody who can score goals with a whole bunch of other great positive catalysts, then you've got yourself you know a very romantic team that people want to bond. Uh, so I I think I see I see that as kind of uh, a magical kind of team that that then enwrapped himself around Paolo Rossi, who represented the the, the international victory. Uh, Carmina? Yeah, well, uh, I like what you, the, what you and Naz said about uh, the analogy with uh, Paul Anderson that unified a country, a whole country, Canada, in, in, the, hockey, in the hockey world. And we, so we're very much a hockey nation and united a whole nation. And, and, and that analogy fits exactly right with Paolo Rossi because, you know, those moments, the World Cup, and at, at, at that stage, at that at world, world level, uh, he just turned it on those last three games and he became a national hero just like Paul Anderson did. As far as the player all around, as Bobby said, he was one of the most intelligent play uh, uh, forward that Italy ever produced because uh, he reminds me of uh, uh, Phil Esposito to that, you know, if we want to make another hockey analogy because Phil was always at the right spot at the right time and so was Paolo Rossi and scored a lot of goals for Juventus, for Perugia, for Com, all the teams that he played for. But he became the national hero of Italy of all his talents around the world and, and others millions. Uh, we got, let's not forget uh, Berzot. Enzo Berzot, who was the coach at the time, believed in Paolo Rossi because he brought him as a young player 
still not well known uh, in in the World Cup in 1978 in, in in Argentina, and they came very so close to winning that World Cup in 1978. And Paolo Rossi, Paolo Rossi and Cabrini, uh, young men that had just started playing for Juventus, both of them, they were the surprise in that World Cup. And I think those they they planted the seeds uh, because uh, you know then she, like Bobby said the whole, that whole team they're all legends Zafra Shirea uh, uh, what's his name um, Kolovati and and so on and and uh, but Paolo Rossi if he don't score goals like Paul Anderson did like Phil Esposito used to do uh, he don't become a national hero like uh, like these guys have become. Uh, Carmine, uh, Bob, uh, we've got to let you go. Uh, before we do, I just we've got I've got about a minute and a half before I've got to take us to break, and uh, I've got this all this soccer talent, and we you know we we've talked about Italian soccer for a minute and a half. Let's talk about Canadian soccer. Alfonso Davies, co-winner of the Lou Marsh Trophy, what an outstanding achievement for Canadian soccer on the men's side. You really, really quickly, guys, come in and then Bob. Well, Alfonso deserves it. I mean, he's playing at the highest stage in in Europe with one of the top world team by Munich, and he became from a young uh, prospect, Canadian prospect, to becoming a, a you know a winner in the, in the Champions League and one of the most valuable player for that by Munich team. So. Uh, he's so young and he's learning uh, the game and he can only get better and then this is great for Canada. Bob, what an outstanding achievement for a Canadian footballer to win co co owner co winner of the Lou Marsh Bob. I agree. I agree with Carmen. I think that Alfonso is very, very fortunate to have landed with the, the probably the the best uh organization that develops players in the world, and that's Bayern Munich. And when you're there, uh, you know, uh, you, you're taught how to play and, uh, yeah, you can make mistakes, but, uh, but you learn, you learn that you have to be a team player first and, uh, and a contributor. And, uh, I think Alfonso brought all of his skills and God given talents to, uh, to Bayern Munich and he was rewarded. Imagine what an honor it was for him to have, uh, played on the team that won the, uh, the, uh, the championship, the Champions League final last year. It was uh, it was an amazing year for him. Amazing achievement for Canadian soccer, gentlemen. I've got to let you go. Uh, Going to wrap this part of our show up as follows, and uh, I, I'm quoting from Tony Evans in the Independent, and he's and he's talking about Paolo Rossi, and I thought these words were appropriate. Legends do not fade away; their lingering gift is they make us feel young in the best possible way. Rest in peace, Paolo Rossi. Bob and Carmen, thank you. We'll be right back after this break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. 
is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca you name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new M740 and it is the Naz and Wally Sports Hour now. Naz, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks again, once again, to Bob and Katamina for, for that. And uh, we still have Lou on the phone. So let's, uh, Lou, what's going on? NHL training camp starting, but we don't know when the season's going to start. We understand we may have a Canadian division. What's uh, what? What are you hearing? I'm hearing what everybody else is hearing uh, that uh, we definitely will have a Canadian division. Uh, it's probably going to end up being a what a 52 to 64 game schedule. Um, again, there's a lot of protocols that the players have to go through. Uh, I'm still going to question on, uh, you know, how we're going to make this thing a, a safe entity. Um, and it's, you know what? It's, it's going to be a, a trial by error, so to speak, just like the NBA and the and Major League Baseball uh, had last year. Ness, uh, from the Leafs' perspective, uh, you know, we talk about the NHL. Leafs Nation, I guess, is probably getting pretty anxious. We, we're uh, we're going to win another Stanley Cup, Walt. <laughs> uh, okay, let me break that down. Uh, when you say we, I, I presume you mean the Toronto Maple Leafs? Of course. And I will ask the uh, the threshold question. Which year? I didn't say year. <laughs> I, knew, I knew there was uh, there was some, but okay. Let me let me let me. Uh, I think I think I think Joe Let me pin you on this one, as which year? Well, I think Joe Thornton is going to mean a lot to the league. And they're not. They don't, have, they don't have Boston and Tampa Bay in their division now. They're in a Canadian division. Interesting. You know, that's a really interesting comment and observation, Naz, that uh, quite frankly hadn't thought about, and I think that's important. Uh, yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not going up. You're not button heads against Boston and Tampa Bay, and you're going up against uh, the rest of the Canadian division. Uh, I, from what I've read, the Leafs are considered the favorites uh, in an all Canadian decision uh, division. Sorry. 
Uh, Naz, your uh, your thoughts are the are the Leafs. The I, I I really think I like their chances to go to the semifinals, especially in the Canadian division. They're definitely the favorites to win that division. Interest. It'd be interesting to see how that plays itself out, and also in terms of I guess you have to uh, you've got you have you, they'll probably have to play within their own division to um, to to progress. And then after that, they probably will set up, my guess is, we'll have to set up bubbles. Probably, uh, I don't know if they're going to come back to Canada. It's possible. Um, you know, I guess the NHL, everything's on the table right now. Uh, everything's COVID-19 dependent in terms of how that plays itself out. But, you know, we're talking playoffs, what, Lou? Probably into May and June and July. Is that is that the time frame? Yeah, I, I think they're probably usually a Stanley Cup is over the second week in June. I think they're going to try to push it probably to the first week in July. But what what uh, what you guys have to realize, and they're in the all Canadian division, but you got to remember four of the best teams in the whole National Hockey League are all playing out west. And I'm not sure right now until I see it if Toronto Maple Leafs can adjust to playing Western style hockey. And we know the Western uh, Conference is a lot tougher. They're, a, they're they play a lot more physical game. They play a lot more of a in-your-face type of game. But isn't uh, that an like, isn't that an old uh, sorry sorry Lou? But isn't that an old style model? Uh, the West was considered to be a rough and tumble. But you look at you look at the Western uh, teams now, like Edmonton with McDavid and Drysital, and you look at uh, Vancouver with uh, Pedersen and. Uh, some of those guys in Calgary with Johnny Hockey and whoever, the, uh, I you know I, I think it's more a speed game out there now, isn't it? Well, it, it is the speed game, but if you look at the, the physicality, the the accountability on uh, on on certain players, um, Winnipeg as good as they are uh, skill wise is Edmonton. There, there's always when they play against each other. Uh, I think the Western style hockey is a little bit more physical than the, than the, the way they play here in the Eastern side of the country. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just curious on whether the Leafs can adjust to playing that style of hockey. Because I know from watching it, they don't play it. You know, they, they play more of a, uh, a very high skill passive st- style. And the reason why they brought in Ear Simmons, Bogosian, uh, Joe Thornton is to adjust to play in that style of Western hockey to more or less to, uh, uh, to enhance their, uh, their, their, not their style, but to, to move this team forward. You look at the way Columbus played last, the last couple of years. They got in their face. They, they made things difficult for guys like Marner and, and Matthews and, and Nylander. And I just want to see if the additions have helped these guys come forward because they, there, there are rumors out there that this is a, a make or break year for the Toronto Maple Leafs that they have to win not only one round but they have to get to the final four to make it a a, a successful year. Uh, Nas, your reaction to Lou's comments in terms the of the West is changing. It was a slow pace, heavy hockey before when the Kings won the Cup, but the Kings did nothing in the last two years and they had a big heavy team. I think the West is going to the skating style too, tough but to the skating style, and you got. It, Connor McDavid, who's a superstar, he's not slowing down any. So I think the Leafs are in good shape. Uh, is this a make-or-break year for the Leafs, Naz? That's the other point uh, 
Lou brought up. I mean, you know, these guys, uh, Matthews and Marner and Tavares and, you know, Riley, I mean, they're not, they're not kids anymore. You know, they're, uh, you know, they're at the age when, uh, you know, certainly a guy like Matthews who's supposed to have this team on his back. Uh, he, he's at the age where, you know, cr- you know, the, the Crosby's, uh, were, were, were winning cups and, you know, when you're, and Gretzky and, and some of the greats of the game over time, once you've hit about 22, 23, you know, you, you got to be able to take your team to the next level. Uh, so responding to Lou's comment, Naz, uh, in what ways is this a make or break year for the Leafs? Well, give us a chance and have to win a round or two for sure, or else they're, they're in deep, deep trouble. And uh, I agree with Louis. This is the year. Uh, and also, you got to remember that uh, the salary cap has a lot to do with uh, with what's going on nowadays. And when you have four players that are probably in the, the, the top ten uh, salary-wise in the league, uh, that means that they have to more or less step to the forefront and, and get this thing going. Because if they don't, uh, there are going to be changes. Because I I don't know if how uh, they're going to take a a $40 million four players compared to an $80 million salary cap? Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good uh, good analysis there, Lou. So we'll, we'll, we hope, uh, apparently training camp's starting January the 3rd. I think that's been settled, and that's the reason Nick Robertson isn't, uh, isn't playing with the U.S. team in the World Juniors because the Leafs training camp starts on the 3rd. And the finals of the World Juniors are, uh, believe, January the 5th. Although, you know, it's such a short training camp, I guess that means the Leafs believe Nick Robertson's going to make the team. World Juniors, really quickly, any excitement there? Uh, I, I, you know, other than Quentin Byfield and Jamie Drysdale, I'm not exactly sure who's playing on, on the Canadian team. They're champions from last year. Uh, Lafreniere is not playing on the team. They have, interestingly enough, 20 first-round draft choices are playing on this Canadian team. It's supposed to be a good team. 20 first-round draft choices. Uh, I think the max they've ever had on a team before is like 12 or 13. Uh, Lou, any interest in the World Juniors so far? I'm not, you know, they're not sure it's even a great idea bringing these kids in from all over the world, but they're in a bubble in Alberta, and I guess we get to watch them on TV. Any thoughts, Lou? Uh, you know what? It, it, it doesn't interest me at all. Uh, right now, maybe once this gets going, it, it will. Uh, the 21st round pick, that, that's just like putting the best 20 players, uh, in a room and, and guys, you figure it out. I've always said that you've got to get the right pieces of the puzzle in, in the right place. You can't just hope that 21st round picks are going to have, are, are going to gel together, especially, uh, against the other teams, uh, the other countries in the world, and mind you, with this epidemic going ar- going around right now, who the hell knows? Sorry about the language, but who's going to know that uh, this is going to have a say in who wins this uh, tournament at the end? Because if one guy gets it, like what are they going to do? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, all the major junior leagues in in Canada are not playing. Uh, Quebec started, but they put they they had to they had to can't they postponed it till January. Um, Although I will say, you know what? Anytime a team goes out there with a Canadian sweater on and they're playing for a gold medal, yeah, I'll probably be watching. Naz, uh, any thoughts at all on the World Juniors? Yeah, I will World follow, Man, I'm not, I don't have much interest. I, I do. I can't recall the player's name, but there's a kid there that 
didn't start playing triple A hockey till he's fifteen. Unbelievable. Yeah, God bless him. Obviously, Canadian player. Yeah, well, certainly keep an eye on him. We got uh, about four minutes left on the show. There is a game down in. I think this one's in Orchard Park, is it not, Ness? It is. Yeah, it's 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 tonight. It's Sunday night football. The Bills and the Steelers. Uh, it's a big game. Uh, it's been a long time since the Bills and Steelers. It's an important game for both teams. Uh, Bills looked really good uh, last week against the 49ers. The Steelers not so good against the Washington football team. I guess that's what they're called nowadays. Um, Naz, break this game down for us. What does it mean and uh, what, what can we expect to see? I'm, I'm a little afraid because everybody's going against the Steelers and they're 11 and 1. How can you go against a team that's 11 and 1? I, 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 I'm of the same opinion as you. I mean, every, every team's allowed to a, a mediocre game and the Steelers had a mediocre game against Washington. But, you know, the Bills have yet to prove to me that they can play with what I call the big boys. Uh, and the Steelers are one of the group at the top with the, with the Chiefs, with the Saints. Um, they're one of the big boys. Uh, so I, I think my eyes are more focused on the Bills. Can they compete? With a team like the Steelers that are at, uh, to me, at, at the, at a high level at 11 and 1. Lou, your, uh, your, uh, your breakdown of the game tonight. Well, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a, not a do or die game for Pittsburgh, only because there's a, a lot of implications that if they do lose, they're going to have to go to Kansas City. Well, no, Kansas City is going to get the first round bye. And that means that uh, the Steelers are going to have to play the sixth, uh, playoff, the, the third wild card team. So it, and plus the Pittsburgh Steelers right now they have no running game at all. Um, I think Buffalo is, is is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Josh Allen is probably having his best year of the three or four that he's actually played, and so is that offense. Uh, is is on is flying on full uh, on all cylinders. So it's going to be an interesting game and see how, which Pittsburgh team comes out because we know they are a predominantly strong defensive team. But the thing that they're lacking on the on the uh, on the offensive front, and even though they have the Canadian there uh, with uh, Claypool, Claypool, yep, yeah, is that uh, they have no running game whatsoever, and that's well, why, they, that, they, that's that why may, they struggle. That may be a bit strong, and you may have uh, you may have offended quite a few Pittsburgh Steeler fans uh, with that comment. But uh, yeah, no question, Josh Allen has rewarded the faith. Uh, that they did when they uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they trade up to draft them, Ness? They did. They did. Yeah. So yeah. So they uh, they went after Josh Allen uh, when they drafted him. So he's he's rewarded the Bills faithful for that uh, for that confidence that uh, he's he's certainly his game. He's you know he's he's not. I, I wouldn't say he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league just yet, but uh, he's got the capability. He's shown that he can rise to that level uh, in the right circumstances. Uh, minute left, Naz, uh, your prediction for Bills yeah. Steelers think, tonight. Give us a I score. Think, I think the thing that's going against Pittsburgh is they're playing their third game in 12 days, and it's hard to play football three, three games in 12 days. So I'm going to uh, take the Bills, but by six points. Yeah, that's certainly a, um, a, a, an astute observation, Naz. It is difficult to play NFL football. Uh, that many games in such a short period of time. It's uh, it's a brutal, brutal, brutally physical game, number one. 
And, uh, you know, there's a rhythm to it. You, you normally like that week off and you got to prepare for teams. You got to, you got to, you got to, uh, you have to, uh, break down film. And if you don't have the time period to do that, you're at a bit of a disadvantage. Bills, the only thing that concerns me about the Bills is their defense has been suspect at times. And I hope it doesn't come down to a Hail Mary. Lou, quickly, the <laughs> bell has struck 10. What's your prediction for tonight? Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, 24-21 Pittsburgh. I got the Bills. I got the Bills 28-21. We'll see what happens. Naz, last word. Go Bills. <laughs> what, what could be better than that? To all our listeners, thanks so much for joining us. If you have that Wayne Gretzky card in your basement, go find it. The the It sold this week for $1.7 million. John Amendola, our guy at Mintink, who sponsors the show, uh, he's been all over that. Uh, go find your old hockey cards. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.